forever, kid. I can't lose one more friend. Miguel's isn't what we talked about. You knew? I had no idea what you're doing. Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar swinging through the city streets. What city is he in? It's just New York? Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. So what did it say? What's PCPD, the patch that the cop was wearing through this? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't either. But we're talking about Spider-Man. Uh, the, the Through the Spider-Verse. So what's it called here now? I You're just going to be a bunch of nitpicks. This whole, we just put people. you got to know what you're walking into here. I have unadulterated rage against my friend here because he doesn't love the movie as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. It's my favorite movie of the year. And this is the whole episode. You're just going to nitpick. You're going to needle and nitpick. <laughs> and I'm going to, yeah, this, this is the episode. I, I wrote like 14 pages. It's like one block of text for the entire episode. <laughs> but yeah, that's what you're getting into, folks. I'm your co-host, Mike One. <laughs> and I am Miguel O'Hara, <laughs> worth of rage. We're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're giving it a full review, a full Oscars profile for you, dear listener. If you've not joined us before for one of these types of reviews, it's two reviews for the price of one. We will be non-spoiler and hopefully uh, not so yelly, at least, in the first half. Daddy and Daddy Tour in a fight. No, you, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a spoiler warning and we'll be all spoilers for the second half. So if you've not seen Across the Spider-Verse yet, don't worry. We won't ruin it for you in the first half of this episode uh yes michael has laid out uh, the the premises here of our stances i'm not low on this movie i didn't dislike it that's good you, and you have company where you're at you you thought it was 20 minutes too long and film yeah. threat said the same thing that's our buddies was, over there chris very Gore. happy to see that immediately when i was scrolling the reviews i there. saw this movie twice i didn't have a problem but i i watch much slower paced cinema than you do like, you don't have the same tolerance. Just make, ev- make everything once upon a time in Hollywood or don't. It's not that movie. <laughs> it's not that pacing. It's a different pacing. But yeah, to, to be fair, it's, it's a slower pacing than the first film, which I just watched last week, which is much more Lord and Miller Lego movie styled meta pacing. So I would agree with you on that front. Well, Into the Spider-Verse 2 was a half hour shorter. It was an hour and 57 Versus this one, which is like two twenty, I think two hours twenty minutes is the official runtime of this. Right. Uh, let's let's intro the reception real quick before we dive into the. You are in the major the majority 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 eighty six meta score from the majority a ninety five percent Rotten Tomato score on two hundred forty two reviews thus far. We're recording this Saturday afternoon. Audience scores have been rising, Michael. It was a 95% last night, 97% today on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.5K votes, 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 26K votes. The box office has been rising. We we got word that it was a $17 million Thursday and a projected $40 million Friday that actually was $51 million. So that's an $11 million overperform. 125% 125% of the projection. We had uh, 8-ish million behind uh, Raimi's original Spider-Man for a $50 million Saturday. That's crazy. Uh, Homecoming also did a $15 million Saturday, uh, excuse me, Friday, not a Saturday. And uh, this is performing like a live-action Spider-Man. We're looking at, we're looking at a 113-plus million dollar projection for the dbo of this weekend that was a hundred million earlier this weekend so deadlines new projection is is coming in high mike if it holds that 9.1 too i mean talk about the hallowed ground that is on imdb shawshank redemption and godfather part one are both 9.2s those are the highest ranked films of all time so (laughs) 9.1 would be the third highest ranked film of all time on imdb if that uh record were to hold over time there but yeah this is a uh, hallowed ground that's an obvious i mean the first one won the animated feature oscar this one's an obvious contender for the animated feature and i i can't really imagine someone i mean uh, it'll have challengers but this has got to be far and away the front runner right now no absolutely uh that's probably the easiest part of our episode and what yeah. we agree on most is that animated feature is likely over i mean wish yeah. wish has to be disney animation's 
return to form. It has to be frozen levels. It has yeah. to be one of the all-time greats. Uh, but we're looking at like the spring of animation. This is animation spring. The the Super Mario Brothers movie going to be mm. 1.3 billion at the worldwide box office and across the Spider-Verse is going to probably double what Into the Spider-Verse did, which was 384.3 worldwide. This one's going to get close to a billion, I think. It's probably going to be like 6-700 million at the yeah. end of the day. It's going to be yeah. unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see this one scratch a billion as well. We'll talk about the plot premise here. Miles Morales, he's back. Catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Okay, so I saw this two nights in a row at Dolby, AMC's Dolby in, in Danbury, my favorite theater near me. Uh did you remember that this was a part one? Were, yeah. were you expecting yeah, no, that? Because I, I, I did too. Yeah, I, I didn't expect. I'll tell you, I didn't expect like the cliffhanger. I knew it was a part one, but I still didn't expect the cliffhanger type ending. I thought it'd be a more wrapped up <laughs> what story. What was the better part the one, still. Michael? Fast X or <laughs> anyway? Uh, I did remember. I did remember this. I, 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 we've been previewing this year for. It seems like ten episodes, right? Yeah, and sp- <laughs> it was always Spider Across the Spider Verse Part One, just like Dead Reckoning Part One. There. So mm-hmm. that being said, I think a lot of audience members have been coming out on Twitter and stuff, kind of frustrated with the fact that it was a Part One. They didn't. Know. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, they should listen to us. Isn't that the, they the moral of that story? Yeah, yeah, that that's that's the moral. Otherwise, uh, they should. Uh, they should, at least they should go to our year in preview series, which is yeah. only a, a a swift like twelve episode arc <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> it's about the length of this movie, isn't it? I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I just want to see how far I can go before you finally do snap this episode at me. <laughs> I snapped in the pre-show. I was on egg. I was on eggshells, and then I snapped. You're, you're mad at me that it's like an, I gave it an 88 instead of a 92. It's the Top Gun basically. Maverick thing. I love Top Gun Maverick. All I want to do is high five you like maverick and goose high five at the and end i'm here of i'm film. like yeah it's a good movie <laughs> you're like no you don't love it's not the same love like is not love <laughs> exactly that's, what that's we the stance that's the stance anyway uh, what, what look, were your expectations going into this one though i just rewatched the original so i had very high expectations so mm-hmm. that's that's a big thing for me when i go in with super high expectations and my heart is open and you touch my open heart and keep me in love, like that's like you've given me what I never knew I always wanted out of a Spider-Man yeah. movie, but I always knew I always wanted it. I think expectations are. I mean, I, I also had super high expectations because I really enjoyed the first one, and I think they just they didn't meet those for me in certain ways, and that's why I'm a little more down than well, you. Well, <laughs> here's what I want to get at because you mentioned that. In text messages to me, you mentioned that you sat next to a woman who fell asleep. <laughs> he was snoring so loudly; it was hilarious. <laughs> literally <laughs> next, to yeah, you? like 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 uh, two seats away. Literally two <laughs> seats away. I wasn't in a packed theater. I had, I mean, for a midday showing, it was like twenty people, maybe twenty five people. So it wasn't bad. I mean, it's obviously uh-huh. a money maker by that kind of metric. But like this woman for like a solid 45 minutes until the end of the movie was just out cold. She didn't give a shit about <laughs> Peter Parker, about 2099. <laughs> she couldn't care less. Did we see Fast X together? I can't remember now. I don't even remember. I don't did no. My I don't life think is so. just blending together. I think we saw Fast 9 together. <laughs> yes, anyway, but did. our fast theaters were very sparsely populated uh, and and the same timing for me. Oh, we did not see it, but I saw the same timing of a Showtime Thursday night, and Spider Verse was packed, sold out, and, and it was sold out last night again when my brother and I uh, saw it. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, lively crowds, applause breaks throughout. I had it sounded like applause in my theater, but it was just the woman snoring. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, kids who must have known like the comics inside out. They were yelping with glee. At the <laughs> Easter eggs, like I uh, audible gas throughout the certain you know Spider People HQ. Scene I did, that was you know what? Promised. Now that I think about it, I was perturbed by my viewing experience because I had not only uh, Sleepy Hollow next to me, but there was a guy like two <laughs> rows ahead of me 
who was had like the most obscure laugh, but he was laughing at the what I thought were the wrong moments. <laughs> so I was like, "Shut up! You're doing it wrong." <laughs> so people did it wrong where you yeah. where you watched it, and they exactly. did it exactly right. Like, I, the people in my audience absolutely loved it, and it was it was a joy to enjoy the film that way. And yeah, you got stuck with the. The schleps and the schmoes. <laughs> anyway, we, we do got to get into our composition thoughts here. Three directors. One of our returning favorites and Kemp Powers. He, of course, is the Oscar-winning writer from Pixar's Soul. He also uh, Is wrote... this the golden age of Hollywood names? Kemp Powers? Yeah. Well, like, we every I feel like every episode, like, oh, that's a great Hollywood name. <laughs> Kemp Powers is a great Hollywood name. One Night in Miami, Soul. Yeah. Now... Across the Spider-Verse, man, he's he's three for three in our minds. He's doing a yeah. great job. Joaquin Dos Santos, Avatar The Last Airbender. A lot of animated shows and movies in his, his CV. And then you had Justin K. Thompson, the third director here. He was a production designer on a lot of the Lord and Miller stuff. A production designer on Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And then, of course, you have Lord and Miller writing this, along with Dave Callahan, who's done Shang-Chi, the Expendables trilogy, with the film editing of Mike Andrews, which is a longtime DreamWorks guy from Megamind all the way back to Shrek. So, Mike, I got to tell you, I bang the table in favor of Oscar nominations for film editing, adapted screenplay, picture, and yes, director. I do not necessarily expect these to happen. Spoiler mm. alert to our Oscar lens. I, I would bet against them, but I do bang the table. I'm going to make my case throughout this episode. I wonder, I mean, we're, we're waiting for the day where an animated feature breaks through in a couple other categories other than just its own category and maybe best picture. Um, so I... I support the idea of it, yeah. And if you look at Lord and Miller and, and, and people associated with them on Twitter, they're, we talked last episode, I mean the first Spider-Verse episode four years ago, how it was this new cell-shading technology and how they got the look of it and how it's so unique and, and kind of off-kilter and it's nothing like we've ever seen before. And then this time, uh, if you look at Lord and Miller's tweets, they're talking about how they had like a thousand animators working on this at one point, like literally one zero zero zero. And it, it shows. The directors have conducted the orchestra here, and they've yeah. done it probably in their own quadrants. My guess is like Kemp Powers is like the story director in this. He's focused on character. You have the production designer who's focused on the actual animation and bringing that to life. And then uh, you, you have the production designer. So it's yeah. it, it who's probably more of the, of the technical side of things. So those three really work together arm in arm here. I, the, the density of this film is unique and the the contrast of styles just for the yeah, like Gwen has her own animation style. All the Spider-Mans have their own animation styles, which is true for the last movie as well. But I, I was blown away by the visual experience here. I, I have never seen animation at this level before or in, in this way. Like I can't. I can't even describe it, but the, the the level of beauty and immersion that I had when Gwen and Miles have their scene from the trailer where she leans on them, they're upside down on the Williamsburg bank building. <laughs> I, so you're just I mean, a romantic at heart. You're my, this, movie, this movie won you over with emotion. My heart is melted in yeah. that scene. So you, you can't do that to me usually. Usually the pretty <laughs> pictures... Don't get to me. Like Dune, full of pretty pictures. Avatar, mm. The Way of Water, full of pretty pictures. So you got to nail the story as well. And, and, yeah, in my opinion, I'm going to bang the table for the fact that they nailed this story structure in a, from a structural standpoint. And I think a lot of that is Ke uh, Kemp Powers. But this is also better multiversing than the multiverse stories we've been experiencing with Quantum Mania and Doctor Strange, I think. So, Feige, this is how you multiverse, man. You need that Citadel of Ricks type of nihilism. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's a, I mean, better is subjective, but it's totally different because it's more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, but you, I think you need to feel overwhelmed, and you also need to unravel the story and build the story the way they do here while hinting at the larger pictures 
like they do they they hint at the whole Miguel O'Hara Spider-Verse stuff like you know where you're heading you know you're heading to sure. a, the HQ <laughs> you know you're you're going to see all the easter eggs you know that's coming you know it's going to feel overwhelming you if you also seen the Loki series you get like the timeline stuff and how that works the canon events i think event eventually get explained but like the world building is a sequence and series of progressing revelations and i i just thought that those exposition bombs are seeded into this so well to the point where it's building in upon itself and uh, you know how they worked in the you know the, the villainy i'm going to get to in spoilers but ultimately it's grounded and interconnected with the stakes of the characters to where you're not overwhelmed by the nihilism that you could, you know, butt up against with the whole multiverse science of it all. It's crystallized and, you know, the danger is clear and present for the characters. I'm, I'm so surprised and I, t- just, I can do nothing but tip my hat to these storytellers for, for getting me there. I, I, I'm, I'm scared to say anything that could be perceived as slightly negative or not gushing with the tone of voice that you're carrying. Well, right I now. just wonder how, <laughs> like, how have you, I, well, here's the thing. Like, we've known all along that I am more prone to the fantasy. I love fantasy stories. I've right. grown up reading them, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. The multiverse is a fantasy story. So you probably shut your brain off or you don't care or you don't like those types of stories to a degree is my guess. I've never really thought about it that way. I mean, I, I like this multiverse story certainly more than the one we've gotten in the MCU. Um, But I've never really considered it like a a fan. Maybe you're right. I've I've never really put that kind of attachment or that title on it. So I just, in what way is it a fantasy story? Well, it's a fantasy in that there's not a real multiverse out there, Mike. This is a multi, this is, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> so there's superheroes and it's multi. I just don't like any fiction, is what you're saying? No, it's it's fantasy. It's you know, there's fiction. Yeah, but by that definition, isn't Star Wars fantasy? Star Wars is fantasy, sci-fi, science fiction, fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But this is this is fantastical in the sense that you know we are we are having a multiversal problem, right? I mean, the big problem of this story is based on a villain that creates <laughs> that creates like this Einstein level scientific issue that only exists in this theoretical fantasy. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe. I I, I don't I I maybe. I'm not willing to concede that point. <laughs> That's fine. I am Rudy's dad <laughs> walking into the Notre Dame football stadium for this entire film. This might be the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. <laughs> and you're the son who's just, yeah, dad. That's, that's trying, to, trying to play nice. All right, performances, like this voice cast is awesome. I think we can yeah. agree upon that. Absolutely. Look, I, I can run it down. Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Oscar Isaac, Jesse. I didn't uh, even know that was Oscar Isaac, by the way, oh. until after the fact. Issa Rae, Jake Johnson, Daniel Kaluuya, Shea Wiggum, Jason Schwartzman, there he yeah, is, the guy, Luna Lauren <laughs> Velez, the richness in each one of these performances for each one of these characters, the, the depth of their voices, like Brian Tyree Henry, his delivery, ah, oh, just... It's it's sumptuous. It's, I've it's never... What are you... Did you go and hit a thesaurus before this? I am leaning into my critical self here and my critical <laughs> self is activated but this is what you don't like you don't like when i spread my critical my movie critic wings and and pontificate on what i like you don't like that well, I, I have no problem with it but you are you are smitten you are deeply in spit I'm here deeply in spit i love this movie but what did you grade this what is this movie this is an a movie through? for me a93 i talked myself up in my own review i was probably at a minus 92 a minus 92 last night i talked okay. myself up Love okay. it. But all I also right. listened to the soundtrack all morning. It is a good soundtrack. I had no argument there either. Yeah. So as we get into the, the production values, like this is one of, and I noticed it twice in the Dolby, because oh god, the Dolby sound experience was just next level. I was in audio heaven 
from the opening to all the sound effects, the web slinging, how they interlay the dialogue and the, the, the score and the soundtrack. But the score and the soundtrack is so good, in my opinion, that I... Ugh. I've been listening to it all morning, like I said. There's two original songs, and, and Metro Boomin, a.k.a. Uh, Leland Tyler Wayne, created you know, an, an original soundtrack for this movie. He, he remixed a couple of songs like Sunflower from the, from the Into the Spider-Verse movie. But all, all of these other songs are eligible for Oscars, and I think two are you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Am I dreaming with ASAP Rocky and Rose? And then, uh, and that's over the credits, by the way. And then calling, which is over the, uh, Gwen and miles scene at the middle of this movie, the bank building scene, at least they're en route to that. And that's with, uh, Swiley and, uh, Nav and a boogie with a hoodie. Who's yeah. my new favorite <laughs> artist. Now we, we know that historically that they're probably only going to put forth one, they're going to consolidate and not to try to have, you know, uh, cannibalism within the uh, original song category between multiple songs. So if you had to put your money on one being the nomination from this movie, which would it be? It's calling. I would okay. put my money on that. That is in in the movie, in the actual movie, mm-hmm. the Am I Dreaming song, which is my favorite, which I listened to. I, I'm not kidding. 20 times this morning. Good. That's you know, awesome. As I prep this episode, that's my favorite song. But that's over the credits, and who knows? Maybe maybe they'll pick on my dreaming. I would bang the table for both songs. I think they're both head and shoulders above the Little Mermaid original songs. And I'm very high on the Little Mermaid original songs. However, these are these are just better. They're they're, they're better. They have better uh, melodies, harmonies, all that. I'm not a good musical critic. I, I, I'll lean away from that. But they, they remixed a lot of the score here, and they reused a lot of the score. Mia Moore was the big emotional track to end the first film. It ends this one as well. Like the big rousing, you know, get the team together. That's called Only One Spider-Man. Daniel Pemberton, uh, the, the, the composer, he also reused that. There's a big... There's a big multiverse sounding synth kind of horn based i don't know for uh for the miguel o'hara character that you've seen in the trailers that we've now that of course that you see in the beginning of this movie that's the big song uh original score piece for this film but i don't know if that's enough michael over 50 percent to get original score nominated Mm. i wonder i mean so if we have one that's playing in the sandbox now of it's going to win an animated feature, at least we think so, it's going to be a contender, an original song, you want it to play in a couple other categories. I don't know that I can get there with director. I would, I mean, again, I'd love to see an animated feature get some directing love, but I mean, for Christ's sake, if they weren't going to nominate Villeneuve for what he did with Dune, I can't imagine that they. this is the animated feature they get behind. Although I would, again, I'd love it if they did, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a Best Picture nominee in your eyes. That's what my hope is. Because in all honesty, I want animated feature and original song as a floor. Mm-hmm. I would love sound design, sense. sound design, film editing, and therefore picture. And then to me, I'm going to bang the table for adapted screenplay, even if you can't go score or a second original song. So that would be five. And, and yeah, you're right. That's a best picture resume, yeah. especially in a, in a hard 10. Production design, I think... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio paved the way for that possibility uh, after the ADG and the Production Design Guilds last year yep. nominated Pinocchio uh, thanks to Will Mavity of Next Best Picture. We do know that, and I was looking for this this morning and I had to go through an old article of his, no animated film has ever been nominated for Production Design. However, The Way of Water, Beauty and the Beast, the quote-unquote live-action remake, going all the way back to Mary Poppins, which had an animated centerpiece, We've seen art direction and production design nominations from those films, so it is getting more and more possible, I would say. Do you just reference Mary Poppins as a relevant uh, recent? You mean the one that, uh, that Go, uh, Emily Blunt was in? No, the 1964 Mary yeah, Poppins had an animated yeah, centerpiece. Piece. That's what it I thought. It was nominated that's, for art direction, I believe. Right, so that's, it, that's production design, set design. And so right. you, you could go back, and, and these movies with a lot of VFX get nominated for production design and what are they giving the credit for? Are they giving a credit for the actual sets or are they giving a credit for the depth of field shown through the animation because it's those are effects. Those are not They real. do need to, to, yeah, they need to clarify, I think, the differentiation between the, the two. I mean, because if you're just leaving it up to production and art directors and production design, I wonder if there's some people who 
are in that and think it's more difficult to be practical as opposed to animated yeah. with the production design. And so they purposely don't vote for it. I think when you build these sets and computers to this level, and we we remember Soul being up for production design contention a couple years ago as well, because they built all those sets inside of these computers. Last year was a big uh, campaign point for Avatar The Way of Water. However, I think the selling points for both Pinocchio and Avatar The Way of Water is that they actually built miniatures. And that's right. why the Star Wars and, and obviously the stop motion animation is nothing but miniatures. And that's that's why the craftspeople can can vote for those. Uh, and you probably can't vote for this one. So I'm not expecting production design get nominated for Across the Spider-Verse. My guess over unders probably like what, Michael? Three and a half, two and a half? What would you give it? Uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say two. Yeah, Mike, I think Mike conservative. Yeah. I mean, what's the third one? If you go three and a half, what's the, well, what's pic- the third one you're picture? Sure well, they, they, I would say animated feature and original song. Those those yeah. should be. I agree. Sound design. Really Wouldn't good. surprise me. Really yeah. good. I don't know the history of, of animated films with sound. I, I should have looked that up. But we got to look, look that up. up no, no, but I, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a history. There's absolutely All a history right. there. That, so that's that's more realistic. Uh, a second yeah, maybe two. Song. Yeah, maybe two and a half. Yeah, I could say. Look, I hope it gets nominated for Best Picture. I really, I mean, I, I truly do, just because I, I think we need to trend in that direction because the more yeah. unique films that get nominated in Best Picture and get spread out over different categories, the better it is, the more fun it is for an Oscars uh, Sunday. And it'll be cool if this one does at least achieve its floor of a hat trick of, of Oscars for animated features. So that's, at the you know, at the very least... That's a fun Oscar Sunday this year, and again in in two years or next year. When is the next movie coming out? Do we know? No idea. I mean, I I would imagine they've already worked on it. I didn't. I, I don't know that to be a fact, but you know, if it was four years between the last one and this one, or whatever it was. Maybe we were in for it a, a long wait. That's what I should have looked up. Twenty twenty four. All right. Sorry, so they're already done with it. They must have done it all in a, a one shot there. This was a hundred million dollar budget, so this is going to be hugely profitable. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad if you're gonna give us a part one, then part two is just around the corner. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's dive in. All right. Let's spoil. Spoilers ahead. This is. All stations, stop Spider-Man. You, you and me. And then I looked at my uncle and. Uh, let me guess. He died. A spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscars profile episode. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. If you've yet to see that movie, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you to hit play on us when you get back. All spoilers from this point out, Michael. Uh, where do you want to begin? Well, I'm in a lawyer's trap because you're making me prove a negative. <laughs> I have to prove to you that this movie is not, in fact, too long and that you are not bored. <laughs> I have to prove this negative because I think ultimately, look, I'm just going to make the case for the Rio Morales mama talks, which you thought was superfluous. I think you can cut 20 to 30 minutes off this and have a much tighter and better movie and a better viewing experience, yes. And I think that the scenes that come to mind most readily for me is the the amount of parenting we deal with with Miles and his and his mother and father, specifically the mother ones. And I the reason I think that is that it's a Spider-Man movie. We know the parental figures are in peril. We know they are probably going to die, and we know how the Spider-Man feels about his parents pre-death. I think in Fast X, right, <laughs> yes. there is a built-in reasoning for why Dom cares about baby Dom. And it's not just because we see... Yeah, we get to see baby uh, Dom but, doing okay. donuts. But, like, if you took that scene away and you still had Fast X... It all makes sense, doesn't it? All it all makes sense. It still makes sense. It makes it made sense in, in Fate of the Furious because we knew that Dom wanted to save uh, Letty and baby Dom right. from Cypher. 
it was built in, even though the characterization for Baby Dom was zero, even though the characterization for Letty at that point was hilariously bad, to the point where she came out at premieres yelling about how underdeveloped her character were was, <laughs> how underdeveloped the female characters were in the Fast series. Here you have... Just the female characters? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> here you have development of the characters of all the parents. Now, I think this is a great parent movie, especially after the superhero genre has just had these parents just don't understand type of, you know, storylines. So this is a subversion of that. This is a subversion of the 80s, 90s, 2000s, where all of these quote-unquote mentor heroes are so out of touch that we never really dive in and, and understand why that's so. And, and even beyond that, why they are, why there's a misunderstanding and a miscommunication going on because in fact Rio Morales all of the thematic statements that she makes her big speeches to her son they play out exactly for him applied misapplied i would say in terms of context but she gives him advice in one context as vexed as she is with him talking to him about Look, you cannot allow other people to tell you that you don't belong. She thinks it's about him being in that rich, fancy school. She thinks it's about him wanting to go to Princeton and, and you know, fitting in with the Ivy Leaguers and all the, you know, the, 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 the whiteness there and all the, the Rachel Drachness mm-hmm. there, or the principal. <laughs> but in fact, <laughs> what she, unbeknownst to her, it's about... <laughs> Him going into this multi-dimensional thing with spider people telling him that he's an anomaly and that he was never supposed to be Spider-Man and he was, he's not supposed to be the hero because he'll really screw it up by being heroic and he'll cause more damage than he than he even knows. That's the whole point of the story. And aren't it's this you, dilemma. Aren't you the same person who every time in a horror movie there's a scene in a classroom where the professor or the teacher is speaking out the exposition and the theme of the movie or the upcoming battle of the movie, we always say it's too on the nose and unnecessary. Isn't this this the exact same idea? I mean, it's a longer way of her saying with great power comes great responsibility. We know. We've seen it a billion times. However, this is completely flushed out. And I, like uh, when you watch this, I, I didn't understand. Like when I watched this, I didn't feel length in those scenes at all. Like this is this is why I'm I'm surprised because I, I like that is the story. The st- we we know we have to save these characters, but why do we love the characters as much as Miles does? Like we want to save the parents, and it's because they take the time to have scenes with dad and mom and. It's because these you parents can't are great relate parents. to the idea that he wants to save his parents if you don't have the scenes with dad and mom. But I want to save them even more. <laughs> okay. But here's the all thing: right. it's a all canon right. event, so you can be flipping about it. Like all these, you know, all of his mentors die. Spider-Man's mentors die. So you are, you you are expecting it to the point where like you have a character who is the villain of this story in Spider-Man 2099. In, in, in Miguel O'Hara because he is so I mean uh, he is so frozen to it he is his heart is 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 made stone to it Michael he's hardened <laughs> his heart against it just like you have because he doesn't know Miles's love for his parents and he's not going to like just like he he was angry at the, at the in the in the prologue at Spider-Man from the 19999 universe which is the one that Sony is in with the Spider-Man No Way Home, he was mad at, thanks to Screen Crush, he was mad at uh, the the Spider-Men of that movie because they risked everything <laughs> to save one. You know, they, well, they risk all uh, to save few. That's the, and and that brings up another issue. I think was added length to this movie is how many scenes do we have explaining that this is trolley problem the movie what is trolley problem you have a trolley coming down the track and you can switch tracks do you switch it to the track where one person is tied to the tracks or do you switch it to the track where five people are tied to the track if the one yes. person is your mother do you save your mother at the expense of five lives or is it worth it to save Good. five lives at the expense of your mother correct yeah I, I yeah that's that's a perfect way of describing it but this is obviously you know 
uh, exponentially. Sure, but that conversation is had at least three times in this movie. Yeah, so that's the dilemma of the movie. It's a great thing to but, base uh, the story I, I agree, on. So Mike, I agree. But, but here's but the can, point. But you if see you the movie. You see the movie. You see that, don't you? Isn't if, that what the movie is? It's not a dilemma unless you characterize the, <laughs> the one. Unless you're told it's a dilemma? <laughs> no, it, you, you have to characterize the mother. You just hated the mother character? I just don't get it. Like, I, she I is the mentor character. She proves her worth. She proves her worth by giving him the greatest advice he ever gets, the advice that actually absolutely becomes his game plan for the rest of the film. Unbeknownst to her, because she's out of context. She doesn't know who, his, who her son is. And then and then the fact that he's having the, the these conversations with his parents, the tragedy of this story, of this story is built on the fact that he needs to tell his parents the truth he's been lying to them for so long and you get the false reveal to his mom and what is not his mm-hmm. dimension that is crushing mm-hmm. and it's crushing because of the fact that we know his other mother and that other mother deserves to know she's she senses all of this in her child she's a great parent you know her I got, speeches i, I will parenting say that are beautiful yes they are i agree with that um but i don't I mean, they just didn't. Maybe it just didn't emotionally hook me enough. I don't know. But like the the switch at the end, where he's not in his universe, yeah. I something got lost on me with that too. So he got bit by the spider from, which was brought Earth over from 42. a different. Yeah, which was brought over from a different from by the Earth spot. 42 by the spot. Apparently, what's so, supposed to be the emotional heft of that? Like, can't he just hop 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 back into a different universe? Well, he, he's when, stuck there. He's stuck there. But how so is Glenn how is has he, to save him from there? Apparently, that's so my he's guess. stuck there because he doesn't have a watch. He does not have a watch. He's okay. stuck there because that spider's venom and is is in, in his veins. So when and the Matrix Glenn, robot is able to show up at Jake Johnson's place because she has a watch, she has a watch now okay. that was given to her by Hobie. All right, which it was in a great scene with her father absolutely making up with her father there because her father was going to arrest that, her. Those scenes off. I liked because that was something unique for a Spider-Man But movie, that's I the thought. contrast of the parents. I guess stories. that's my problem. Like, we've seen... I, I, just to me, we've seen... Like, I don't know. How many times are we going to watch Bruce Wayne's parents get killed? You know? Like, we've seen it. We've seen the, the, the parental to Peter Parker or whoever the main protagonist in the Spider-Man movie is. Yeah, but we've, we've never seen a false revelation to the wrong mother in another dimension. <laughs> like, that that it was heartbreaking no. to me because he finally got up the courage to tell his mom, but it was his wrong mom. Now he's stuck. He can't get out of this other dimension where he himself is the prowler and his uncle is still alive and his father's dead. So he's living his greatest fear that he's gone back to risk his whole universe to try and save his father. So it, it's just doubly tragic. And it's doubly tragic because Gwen, her whole redemption arc was that she was avoiding Miles and then she finally sees Miles and she gives him all this terrible advice. Don't be honest with your parents. Don't tell your parents what's going on. It's powered her wrong path along with Miguel and Jessica in the Spidey HQ multiverse police uh, storyline there. And her father actually surprises her. That's why this is a pro-parent, a great parent story, because the father for, forgives her completely and under, comes to understand her without having, you know, without it having to be spelled out to him. So that's why, like, again, this is such a cool subversion to all the parents just don't understand bullshit of the last 50 years of movie going. And the way they structurally build it in is genius. You got a prologue, epilogue, B story, you know, layout that ultimately weaves into the A story by mid movie. I don't remember that working in any other film. I don't remember that structure. Like that's a new innovative structure to me. Maybe it's been done before, but I don't I've never seen it this clearly from a you know scaffolding standpoint. That's why I keep banging the table for the adapted screenplay. All right. Uh, it makes sense it, it makes more sense you explaining it to me, but I I just couldn't get there. I wasn't emotionally invested like you like they got to you. I don't know why, but 
like the parent scenes aren't great. Scenes. I'm not going to disagree. I'm not, it's not the best scene in the world. It's a little on the nose and it's fine. I get that. I mean, they're stating the theme. When you state the theme in movies, at least in these big budget movies, you don't have a ton of time. So you, you just state the friggin' theme and the mother does that. So I don't disagree with you. And, and maybe it's not the best written scene of the film, but it's, it's net. You got to care about the mother and father. If you're, if he's going to, you know, do the trolley problem, right? That's my whole point. I, yeah, I, and I, I would just we're we're standing at opposite ends of that. And my take is, I I don't think I saw anything that makes me care any more about the mother than I would have anyway. I mean, I understand she's. But the yeah. fa- how do you parent Spider Man, especially when you don't know your son is Spider Man? The fact that she does it perfectly without knowing shows her <laughs> intuition. That just means she's a good mom. Which she's I would the hope greatest she would be. mom. She's I would a hope superhero she would be. mom. Well, that's the thing. The parents rise to superhero levels of intuition. That's why she's worthy to be saved. It's, it's, there's no look. I don't know if there's conditional, unconditional love in life. Never mind movies. But there's I think sure there shit is with your parents. No, there's sure as shit ain't unconditional love in movies. Because I can give two two hells about Baby Dom and Fast X. I mean, I would get over that <laughs> well, in, in, a, in, a, in one cookout. <laughs> I would get over if Baby Dom died because I don't know Baby Dom. Yeah, see, would be I wouldn't, sad. and I, 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 maybe that's. I mean, I would feel the same guilt i felt about baby tom dying as i what about mama mama morales i know i got to know mama i got to know and love mama morales maybe this is the revelation maybe you're the horrible person maybe i am (laughs) because i have empathy for humanity as unconditional love this is why this (laughs) and you need people to prove their worth to you (laughs) they do they have to prove their worth to me in good cinema I, I'm glad I was able to find a place where I can spin this and come out of the upper hand. You've spun right. it. You've spun it. Don't think <laughs> no, I'm doing I, this out of the goodness of my heart. In all seriousness, like, I, I, I am. I'm glad. It just didn't work for me in that way. I just wasn't emotionally hooked. And that's why I guess I took those scenes for granted. Your heart is made of stone and you're, <laughs> I guess, a romantic, more romantic than me somehow. Anyway, all right. Let, let's kind of run through the plot a little bit. We've hit on a lot already so we can yada yada that. But like the Gwen opening where she quits the band and then has to fight Vulture, who's voiced by Jorma Taconi or something. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun, no? And it's fun seeing right off the bat the contrasting styles of uh, animation, too. How Vulture is, like, from parchment paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing he's from a different dimension in that way and he's in Gwen's world here. And we have all... I, they, there's got to be a seizure warning at the start of this movie, by the way. That's true. They're, like, how... Have, how like in all uh, seriousness, how have not every screening of this movie not caused right. at least one seizure? It's I mean the lights and flashing stuff is crazy. It's a lot to take in. It's beautiful. It's great, but like in all seriousness, I only say that because when I walked into my theater, they had a, a warning for a flashing light scene for Guardians Three. And this one I thought was way more of way an assault more. on the eyes than than Guardians Three was. I almost wondered like, like is there a late in life? seizure thing illness i'm sure there is like if if, it, if i'm privy to it then it would have came by now <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the track baby <laughs> i was worried like wait am i gonna like short circuit out of this <laughs> yeah anyway look i didn't love the whole like backstory for gwen where they're talking about lizard peter parker dying at the prom like that was that was rushed rough to me yeah i didn't like that either i also don't understand why her father was taking the mantle so hard for her best friend as yeah, opposed to listening to his own daughter, cop with a code, yeah. I guess. But but uh, and he's also he's also got some motivation there where he's he thinks he's doing it on behalf of his daughter because it was her best friend, boyfriend, whatever that she loved him. But that that would work if they if he didn't have a relationship with his daughter, like his daughter is actively telling him in every scene, let it fucking go. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he 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 thinks she's just shutting off right, and right, joining right. rock bands. He, he, he just misinterpreted. <laughs> Again, it's a miscommunication. So right, probably goes uh, along with what you were saying. Yeah, I love the Miguel O'Hara Spider Man twenty ninety nine and the Jessica Drew Spider Woman intros. There, those were awesome in that fight at the Guggenheim. <laughs> so. Me- Where's the heel turn for Miguel O'Hara? Because he's such a nice, like, he is a reluctantly decent guy at first. Yeah. But then he, like, it seems like the next time he he sees, it seems like the next time he sees Gwen, he's like, F this girl. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, the the whole point is he doesn't want Gwen involved at Spider-Man HQ because he knows that Gwen is best friends with Miles 
he knows that Miles is a danger to them because Miles is an anomaly and Miles' story needs to play out with all those new canon events or else their universe is at risk. Again, that's the whole fantasy of it. So he is actually the protector in his mind of that universe by keeping Miles and Gwen from causing more problems because they inadvertently caused a lot of problems with the, the, the multiverse opening up, the Spider-Verse opening up. Right. Because he was he was not supposed to be there. That was a whole big thing. But I don't I don't know why he blames Miles as much as he. Well, that's and that was going to be my next Spock. question is is Miles is Miles just the golden child in this or are there other there has to be other anomalies because we see Donald Glover right. Well, that's their job. They take the anomalies the same way that Loki and the Time Council whatever they get all the anomalies and they and they deal with them. That's right. their job. They're time cops. So it's like a vanilla. Or, it's like a vanilla sky, or not a vanilla sky. Like a um, what's the other one he did there? The futuristic Tom Cruise movie, the pre Minority stuff. Report. Yeah. Minority, yeah. But instead of time cops like Loki, it's multiverse cops like this. So they're protecting the sacred canon events, which okay. could because de- because if, if a canon event doesn't happen, then there's a black hole, right. which we saw in Spider Man India. Anyway. So Miles versus the spot at the bodega, really funny scene, <laughs> cross cut with the parents and the guidance counselor. What did you think of the the spot as a villain? I, I really loved how he was funny, then he was creepy, then he was scary. Thought he would have been better played by Adam Sandler to be no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> uh, go go back to our uh, when we're talking about Asteroid City. Jason um, Schwartz can yeah. do no right in, in your eyes. I I liked him. I didn't. I, I was certainly not satisfied with where we left him. I mean, he, he gets this all power come up and or not kind of like this supercharged superpower, and then he's just kind of gone. I understand, obviously, he's going to be a huge dangling participle to, to wrap up that loose end in the second movie, the second part of this. But I wish I knew what his enhanced powers were now after he goes through well, the. He's uh, the, the Zemo. Whatever. He's the Zemo in the Civil Spider Man Civil War, which is going to be the next movie, right? Yeah. So. He's like yeah. the bad guy working in between the two factions of Spider People. Like you have this fight. entire movie where he's basically a joke and tripping over himself, and now we're supposed to believe that he's overcharged in superpower, but we don't get a taste of those powers at all. But in terms of the mad scientist lore, that's how it happens. It even sure. happened in you know Iron Man three, right? With with Marvel, so the fact that he's revealed to be the bagel guy was funny, and then he kicks himself into himself. He kicks yes, his own ass. That was, that was fun. I mean, everything. I, I like the comedy bits with him. Certainly, yeah, they worked. And he's like just this buffoon. I like, mean, you're we, you're my you're my arch nemesis. You're my big enemy, and <laughs> he's like trying to explain his importance to Miles' life. And for Miles, it's it's like the reverse Thanos. For me, it was Tuesday. You know, yeah. it's just another bad guy for Spider Man to fight. We see <laughs> when Miles just kicks the. The bug guy on the train track that yeah. was that made yeah. me laugh too. But yeah, it's <laughs> the villain good. of the week, and, it, and but the spot becoming like this really scary multiversal being, getting stronger. It, it, it it's wild, and that whole you know Spider Man India setup was was wild as well. I love uh, Spider Man India, by the way. Loved him. Um, yeah. I just want to talk about one more thing with the Miles and Gwen stuff. I mean, I can't help but speculate. What if Gwen dies in the next one? Because this was her story. Like, it might be her hero story all along here where she's going to sacrifice herself for him in the third film. Like, that's in in play as well, right? Because she talks about how every, you know, Gwen has fallen for miles in in the scene where they're hanging upside down. I mean, maybe they're just destined to be lovers at a distance too maybe she holds fast to that and that's how she survives isn't it weird how every spider-man movie save for the original raimi trilogy is like gwen stacy focused versus mj focused probably because they did it so iconically with the first movie Could where be. you can only parody it with the funny peter b parker stuff yeah could, that could be a good point couldn't help but think of that though but i mean i, I expect gwen to live just because I expect the parents to die, and it's kind of rough to have an animated feature where everybody close to the hero dies. Yes. <laughs> the, the animated films where everybody dies. <laughs> Few and really far between. Made. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I love Mumbatten, uh, the Mumbatten uh, interrupting the canon event. And how that plays out and explains itself is really cool. But, but Mike, I mean, the ending of this film, I think we both agree we loved like the two-part ending. I mean, yeah. the Nueva York 
Spider-Man 2099, you know, Citadel of Rick sequence from the funny Peter B. Parker stuff, you know, to learning about all the exposition, to the Matrix stuff, to the anomalies, to the big chase scene, where I, I mean, I, I watching this a second time, it was crystal clear and how's it how it plays out to the point where I'm just in awe of the futuristic sci-fi here because that is a super highway inside of a beanstalk bullet train shooting straight <laughs> up into the sky. What? <laughs> that was the coolest thing I ever seen. The everything having to do with uh the chase, the big chase at the end was masterful. It was so good. And so like even even the the first part where it's like stop Spider-Man and we get the meme where every spider person is pointing at the other spider a person. Joy. Just a joy. Number <laughs> yeah. one, hanging out. It was cool because you get like a 15-minute hangout scene before that. So you kind of mm-hmm. get the lay of the land and to enjoy. And then you get them all in action. which And then it's adorable because you have the Peter B. Parker scene in like the underbelly of the city there. Where he's like, I had a kid because of you. Because I, you know... I got to know you, and you're a wonderful person, and I got to I, be a I can't wait to see what that baby does in the next movie, by the way. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, the, the mother, you know, later on, did you take her to another fight? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You asked me not to, so I didn't. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, Gwen being banished to her reality, obviously, you know, in the scene that we talked about with her father, Miles, escaping to Earth, not his Earth. We kind of talked about that. I love that they brought back the Prowler. That's such a crazy, scary bad guy. Is the Prowler, I, I think we we talked about this at when we did the first uh, Spider-Verse movie, he's made up for the purposes of this franchise, right? He's not an original comic book villain. I thought he is, but maybe... Is he? I, I, can't, I thought we, we researched that, but I could be totally wrong. But, like, I also appreciate how... I mean, this is something the MCU could learn how to do. Like, this franchise is doing a great job of taking, like, obscure bad guys and just making them important within the context of the movie. You don't have to hire an A-list actor to play them. Like, the Prowler is, like... A real threat. The spot guy is a real threat now. Like yeah. I, I appreciate that. The, apparently, there's like a a legion of losers that the spot is the leader of in the comics. <laughs> that, that fits for how Schwartzman portrayed him. I like that. So his voice was perfect for yeah, that. I, I just, I just, I was so happy. And then I'm happy to see the return of Spider Pig and Spider Man Noir and Penny I wanted, Parker. I wish we had more Spider Pig. I would, I would have liked John Mulaney to say something in this movie that would have tickled my fancy. But yeah, I'm excited to see he's back. I like the the Avengers of Spider People to end the movie with there and like how uh, how Gwen Stacy says I'm bringing my friends and she found her band and you know. I, all that really fits, and I thought it worked really, really well. I really like the ending of this. So those are all the big things. I want to just finish with a couple of little things. Punk rock Spider-Man, Daniel Kaluuya's Hobie. Again, didn't realize that was Kaluuya the entire time until afterwards. The magazine clippings collage ransom note animation style there is is my absolute favorite. Rewatching. How just like when a when a character is in shadow, when that character in particular is in shadow and he becomes black and white, but he's like the collage clip. I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable how they they do that. I mean, the creativity on display here is just nuts. How about uh, how impactful the Sex Pistols have been to pop culture? Like, <laughs> they released the CD in the seventies, and now that is what everyone that that is the font style everyone goes to for British punk rock. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and here to forthwith, it shall be beautiful to yeah. all of us. Uh, and then, yeah, Spider-Man India, P- Pavidir Prabhakar. So good. Uh, that, But here's the, my biggest issue. Like, they apparently got everybody saved in that scene. They saved all the people. Mm-hmm. There's A building fell on top of, like, 50 other buildings, cascading <laughs> down like an avalanche. They didn't even save 10%. The Vatican blew up and nine people died, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Not even nine. Finally, the orange and blue, Nick's colored, number 42. I was going to ask you about this. Blasphemy. So that's just the CYA thing, right? They're trying to appease both fan bases, make every New Yorker happy. You enrage the New York Knickerbocker <laughs> fan base. So fan just base. for clarity, if you're here and you haven't watched the movie, there is a, a Brooklyn jersey that is in 
blue and orange Nick's colors, but it clearly says Brooklyn on it that a character is wearing throughout this movie, and I don't know why they did that. I'm so angry at it. Like it would have been, you took, we, I, I blame you for grudges, and you know, I make mm-hmm. fun of you for those. And this movie would have been like three points higher if not for that <laughs> one jersey. So it's even, a '97, the way you've been talking about even it. Even though that- guaranteed, yeah, guaranteed, uh, she's gonna find that jersey, the '42 jersey in the next mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. right, Gwen? And she's mm-hmm. gonna go, oh, let's go to Earth 42, and then she'll save him guaranteed that's oh, the smoking yeah, gun you're right right you're probably right they do make a big enough deal i was wondering too about how in the opening credits they kept they kept flashing that spider with the f- number 42 on it and it's because earth 42 plays a big role in this and that's the, yeah. the big misdirect did you feel like the misdirect was uh impactful enough the big reveal there about how he's in his wrong universe i just to me i want to see that play out and to me it was a big emotional scene with the mother because i love I, I love Spider-Man stories for the reveals. Like, that is just so fun t- for me. And it's been fun in the Tom Holland Spider-Mans, revealing himself to be Spider-Man to Ned, to MJ, to the villains, to uh, to Aunt May. Those are some of the most fun scenes of every Spider-Man series when the characters finally realize mm. who he is. Obviously, with MJ and in, in, in the Raimi trilogy... So yeah, I'm waited with I'm waiting with bated breath for him to tell his dad, to tell his mom. I mean that that stuff matters to me. So the fact that we got the misdirect there, that just it hit me. It hit me like a tragedy. That's why I was so happy with it. I also maybe this is a lack of understanding. So she she like no sells the reveal, right? He's like I'm Spider-Man and she's like cuz there's no Spider-Man in that right. universe. So so there's no Spider-Man because that spider got taken out of the universe, right? Correct. Okay. There's yeah. just a prowler, and there's crime in the streets, as we saw. So Too Batman much. should be there. Should be Batman. This is the big. This is the big reveal. That'd be a twist. That'd be a twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, J.K. Simmons is just gonna. I mean, for life, he's just gonna. <laughs> whenever the J. Jonah Jameson is needed, no matter what universe, no matter what studio, he's Shouldn't just he got though? a job. Yeah, oh, absolutely, he should be, yes. Isn't he J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> Isn't he that guy now? That's who he is. <laughs> it's just, he's never going to be anything else. Farmer's Insurance, mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> he's already got his Oscar. What, right. what more do you want from him? Right. No, you're right, you're right. Guy's got it made in the shade. Keep keep cashing those checks, baby. <laughs> that might be trademarked, but you said it correctly, I think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think we're good. Look, I'm an 88. I'm a B plus. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the story. Yeah, I'm just not in love with it. Well, this is uh, this is the type of debate that will forever come between us. <laughs> Eighty-eight versus a ninety-three. <laughs> I do. I mean, obviously, you're in the majority here, and I do wonder, dear listener, where you fall. We do want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. How did you grade? Where do you land on Spider-Verse? Where do you think its chances are for Oscars beyond? I mean, do you think animated feature is over? And if it is, where? how many nominations do you think this movie does end up letting? Uh, land, letting? Landing is what I meant to say there. Let us know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear a podcast for listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael, tell the good people what's coming next from us. Let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, it is wise in one sense to to admit your personal Defeat. hypocrisy. No, no <laughs> my own personal hypocrisies, and here's where it comes comes true. I am happily going to walk into a theater and watch Transformers Rise of the Beasts next week. <laughs> you you shall. <laughs> I've loved the marketing. I love the 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 VFX and I I I really can't wait to see it. L- lately that movie has won me over. I hope it's good. We'll see. There's no R- way. <laughs> I'm going to see it next week. So I don't know if I'm going to push you into reviewing it with me or whatever. We'll wow. review it. I'll review it on an ORC. But, yeah, we're waiting for past lives. We're waiting for Asteroid City. I'm going to go to Tribeca, and we're, I'm going to review 
uh, you know, eight films, I think, next to Scott Yeager, who probably will review a few more. So we're, we're going to have like a solid 20 Tribeca movie reviews in, in the episode he and I do together. So that all that's coming up in June here. And yeah, I mean, the real words of wisdom that are not cynical about my own hypocrisies uh, is animation is cinema. Uh, animation oh, yeah. is not a genre Absolutely. for kids. It's a medium. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep preaching that, Mr. Del Toro. Absolutely. I mean, this the, if, if Pinocchio didn't prove it last year, this certainly does with how many uh, people were involved just to bring this movie to life here. Uh, Absolutely. And hopefully they, they do get rewarded with a well-deserved and well-earned Oscar uh, on this end of it. I, again, I can't imagine anything really touches this, but if nothing else, it's a leader in the clubhouse right now. We have a front-runner for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can... Travel the Spider-Verse with us? Go across mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse with us? We're going to go beyond. Us? Oh, we yeah. forgot to mention the title. We're going to go beyond the Spider-Verse in the next movie. Yeah. There you are. We're going to be beyond it in 2024 with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. Right now, we're betwixt the Spider-Verse, you and I, <laughs> for our disagreements. I could go for see it, ya. Twix. Delicious. See ya. See ya. <laughs>